What do you say, everybody? Welcome to Monday Night Quarterback. As you watch here on the Bama Insider YouTube channel, or maybe you're listening right now to the podcast edition on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, we really appreciate you being here with us tonight. This is Alabama's rival site, and for the next hour on Monday Night Quarterback, like we do at 6 o'clock every Monday, we're going to talk about the Crimson Tide. Let me introduce our cast of characters tonight, the beat writer for Bama Insider and BamaInsider.com, Mr. Tony Sukalis. Then there's Trey Anity. He's our crack, uh, let's say crack uh, intern, soon to be crack uh, staff member as he uh, nears his graduation time, uh, but a great part of the team. And I'm Mick Gillespie, and it is a, really a pleasure to have you with us on a cold and wintry Monday. Cold, guys. Have you, have you had any of the snow yet, any of the ice yet in Tuscaloosa? Uh, where you guys are at? I'm not sure we've had. I've had it yet, but it is certainly cold out. Like, yeah, I'm inside, and I still have the jacket on from when I when I went outside. So yeah, it's, it, it is a little bit cold. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, Tony. You know, there's days where it's cold, but there's days where you have to keep on the layers indoors. Today, uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just need that extra layer of comfort. I'm not great with cold, man. <laughs> it's one of those. I'm not either. You got to wrap up in the blankets. Got to stay warm. No snow yet. Um, really not any ice on the roads or anything either. It's been just really cold up here. What about uh, what about you, Mick? How's it going down on the coast? Yeah, down on the coast, it's cold, but we're surviving. We didn't have any of the wet stuff, so uh, you know. And and it was um, still not quite freezing yet. So I'm interested to see what's going on. Uh, you know, I know my aunt near Aliceville had got. Uh, snow and ice today you know just uh west of alabama uh, excuse me of tuscaloosa the university of alabama but all all you guys that are in the comment section right now we appreciate you and we can't thank you enough for being part of our show tonight give us a thumbs up subscribe to the channel we are just about to fifty thousand subscribers that really is amazing uh i gotta tell kyle when we get to fifty thousand, we need to have some kind of a party we need to celebrate maybe pop a couple yinglings and um you know and celebrate what's going on maybe you know have some 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 good bourbon tony i mean there's a lot of things that we could do with our with our staff and also all of the great people that follow the channel to thank yeah, i'm not going to turn down a good drink <laughs> either no. way i think that's i think that's a great idea mick I, i'm down for that yeah, so as you guys uh, hang out with us tonight, don't be afraid to comment. We also appreciate the Super Chats, and we'll try to get to those uh, questions, if you have any, as we talk. But first off, i got to say this right now. Um, we, we lost one of our own today. Uh, really sad to hear that Lorenzo Washington passed away. I don't know the circumstances to that, but I can tell you that he was part of a very special time in Alabama football. He was there when, you know, Alabama wasn't good. You know, he came to the Crimson Tide and helped build them into a national champion, you know, so he went through Shula and then when Saban got there and he bought into the process and he helped Alabama win it all. Uh, you, you hate to hear when someone dies way too young. So our thoughts and condolences go out to the family of Lorenzo Washington, his teammates, and the entire Alabama family. As we think about someone tonight that um, we're really sad to know uh, that has passed away. Do you guys have anything to add? Just that it's too young. You know, it's it's just like you said it right there, Mick. It's just too young for way, way too young for that that young man to to, to go. And um, can just thought, like you said, thoughts and prayers and condolences to to his family and, and, and everyone that he touched, because that's it's just it's a tragedy and it's 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 too soon. Yeah, no doubt. 
All right, guys. Well, let's get into the show tonight. And we, we had some fun stuff planned out. We, we had our weekly staff meeting with uh, Kyle Henderson, you know, who's who's our boss. And, and Kyle said, hey, this is that time of year where, you know, there's there's not always a lot to talk about. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, we don't have football games and we don't have recruiting, really. You know, not anything signing days, anything coming up. The NFL drafts a little bit down the road. So let's do something fun and let's pretend that we're like Phil Savage. You remember Phil Savage? He was the uh, color commentator for Alabama football uh, on the radio for a long time. Uh, Phil was before that, though, a front office guy for the Browns and, and the Ravens and some other guy, some other teams. And he's like a player personnel guy, you know, before he was on the radio. And, and, and he gets to evaluate players. So, guys, let's do that tonight. Let's pretend that we're Phil Savage and let's try to evaluate some players. And let's just start with four players uh, that we think are going to get drafted by Alabama. I want you to pick the first four guys who are going to get drafted by NFL teams from Alabama's roster of players from last year. I think I'll, I'll even try to go in order. I think it's going to be Devontae Smith. Then it's going to be Patrick Sertan. Then it's going to be mm, – then it's going to be Mac Jones. And then it's going to be Jalen Waddell. And I could switch those last two, man. I, I don't know. I, I think Mac Jones has just had a lot of uh, hype around his name. I, I could see Jalen kind of going before, but those four definitely to me, that's the first four Alabama players off the board. Hmm. So you yeah. don't think that it's going to hurt Waddle at all that he had the injury? That, that's that's the real question here. Is and can he record a forty time that that proves that he's totally back and that he you know I, I think if he runs a really fast forty time at Alabama's pro day, uh, you know that that's why I'm hesitant to say Jones before Waddle because if he can run that you know Henry Rugg style forty because you know we've seen them race before, right? If he can run that, I think he shoots up you know probably maybe even before Sertan at that number two slot in terms of Alabama players selected, you know. Um, so I could see maybe Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle or shoot, man. I mean, look, if you're the number two team, if you're the Dolphins, maybe you go after Waddle. Uh, if you know that he can be a hundred percent, maybe he even becomes the first. He's the biggest wild card of the of, of the bunch that I just named, just because I think people want to know how he's gonna come back off that injury. Is he gonna be at full strength? And you know, anytime somebody has a serious injury like that, it kind of throws their draft status into a little bit of a disarray. Um, so I'd be interested to see how Jalen Waddle runs, and you know, look, those speeds usually translate to big, to high dollars, Mick. And I think that if he's able to record a really nice time, we've already seen what he can do on the football field. Um, he's a hell of a receiver. I, I think that you know he could really elevate his draft stock, which is already pretty high. Hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, and for those of you guys that are watching right now live, don't feel like you don't you, you can put your um your thoughts in the you know comment section just go ahead and tell us what you guys think uh all right what about you trey what do you think this is this is hard and i'm gonna go ahead and say i'm, I'm right there with you tony on those first two uh you know with patrick Sertain going second and Devontae smith going first from alabama but after that it just gets so dicey and the thing that i love about this draft if you're an alabama fan especially there's so many different situations that you could mock up and, you know, you'd probably agree with it nine times out of 10 because all of the players at the top of the funnel this year are just so talented. Uh, you know, it's hard. 
Mac Jones has caught a lot of attention, um, you know, a lot of momentum really as we've gotten closer to this draft, but I still, I still don't think I put him in my four. I put him in at fifth going to, you know, the Bears at number 20 there. Before him, I got Najee Harris going to the Dolphins uh, at number 18. Somebody in the comments had that as well. I love that. In between, it, it gets a little bit dicey as well. Do we see Christian Barmore go in the first round? If so, could he end up in the teens? You know, do we see... Uh, Landon Dickerson go in the first round. Does he go, you know, before pick number 20? I, I think Mac is either going to end up to the Carolina Panthers. I believe they have the ninth pick or he's going to get slept on and, and go 20. And, you know, I think Mac will be okay with that. He's been slept on his entire career. I think he deserves to go before Trey Lance, Justin Fields, uh, you know, and, and maybe even Trevor Lawrence um, from some of the, the play we saw this year. But I don't think he's one of the first four Bama guys taken. If I'm going in order, Going Devontae Smith, probably at number six to the Eagles. Uh, after that, I'm going to say Patrick Sertain, probably somewhere in that nine to ten range uh, to the to the Cowboys or the Broncos. Both of those teams really need cornerbacks. And then I'm going to say Jalen Waddle right after that. And and like you're talking about, Tony, it, it's you know it's a wild card at this point. Do teams want to take that chance? I think they do. There's the, he's just too explosive. He has five tools uh you know he's one of the fastest receivers coming into this draft and teams like maybe the new york giants right around number 11 they need skill players really bad so i could see one of these teams taking a chance on him mac jones has done a lot for his case and, and he could end up going in the top 10 no doubt but i just think he gets left out on because he's mac jones and, and that's the way things have gone so far uh but he'll go on and have a great career all of these guys will no doubt in my mind who's your who's your top four mick well, look, I, I, I disagree with you on one big one, and, and I'm going to start by saying that I think that Devontae Smith is going to be, you know, the first guy taken, I mean, uh, you know, from Alabama. And I think it's just, you know, it's, it's just one of those situations where he's just got so much momentum right now. You know, he was the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, I know he, in, he got injured in the national championship game, but I think teams are going to be all right with that. He's a difference maker. Um, he could be the next Jerry Rice. I mean, we don't know yet, but he definitely has that potential. He's a game changer. And I think that, that the need for a wide receiver uh, that has that, you know, um, that has that, that game changing ability uh, could, is going to, is going to be, a need of one of those teams that are picking at the, at the beginning of the draft, probably the, the Miami Dolphins. Then I got Mac Jones. Look, I, I, it's a it's a quarterback driven league, right? And we know Trevor Lawrence is going to go one, but there's a lot of other teams that need quarterbacks. And I just think that the Carolina Panthers are going to look at the chance to get Mac Jones and say, you know what, we we feel comfortable, and this is you know I I, I could see them feeling like he's a really good pick um you know mac jones to the niners mac jones to the falcons could happen i i could see that but i just get for some reason i i could just see him in that in that carolina panthers blue and then you got patrick sertain i mean he's i could maybe the most talented guy for his position even counting Devonte Smith, and I think that the, what what why I say that is Devontae's great, and he does all kind of amazing things. But there are a lot of other very talented wide receivers, so it's not like you you have to take him. Sertain's the he's a game changer. I mean, like this guy's like you know in a position of need in the NFL where you where you look at just teams like the Raiders last year and um, the the. 
uh, the Packers, you know, like if, if you had this guy, even when he was playing at Alabama, could be the difference between having a winning and a losing season. I mean, he, 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 he comes from a family that knows how to play the position. And this guy, I mean, from the time that he got to Tuscaloosa has been amazing. Uh, I think that he's going to be as good at that position eventually in the NFL as anyone. And then I think Alex Leatherwood. I, I, I could see Waddle being overlooked, not because of the injury, just because there's so many receivers that could possibly go in the first round and not as much need. Offensive line is, is the biggest thing in the NFL. I mean, look, if Alex Leatherwood played on the Chiefs last year, they might have won the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, they 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 did not have an offensive line that was healthy in that football game against uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks, and it cost them dearly. So, um, you know, with all those things said, those are my four guys. All right, before we get into uh, next year's team and who might get drafted off of that, the best part about doing a live show is that sometimes we have breaking news, and Tony. Uh, you're telling me that this Alabama basketball team, which we are going to talk about before we get off here, uh, but they have uh, some news on their next game. Yeah, so the SEC just announced a, a, um, a complete list of revised schedules due to icy weather conditions, you know, really across the whole south, uh, southeast. And um, Alabama's game originally scheduled for Wednesday night uh, will now be held uh, Saturday. I'm uh, sorry, not Saturday, Thursday afternoon at uh, 2 p.m. Central Time at Texas A&M. So originally that game was supposed to be for Wednesday. Now it's going to be on Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, so it'll be Thursday at 2 p.m. on SEC Network. Uh, number nine, Alabama at Texas A&M. Well, I love that idea because that gives us something to watch, like in the middle of the day on Thursday, you know, like whether you're at the office or you're hanging out at your house or wherever you're doing in your dorm room. <laughs> you know, the one thing that COVID has taught us is that, you know, we can, we can play an NFL football game any day of the week and people are going to watch it. Um, this Alabama team could possibly, Tony, wrap up the SEC uh, with a win over Texas A&M and some other help, right? They need some help, but I mean, look, if they win against Texas A&M, which they should do, and then turn around and win against Vanderbilt, which they should do, then then they can wrap it up like that. And and really, Mick, I, you look at those two games; they're super winnable games for Alabama. I, I don't see them losing. I think they're gonna they're gonna win this week both games, and I, they should be able to wrap up their first uh, SEC title since uh, 2002, I believe. Yeah, yeah 2002. Unbelievable. Since I was there, and I keep saying that because I, they're going to win the SEC this year, and then it won't be the last SEC title. So I've got that in my bag of tricks here. Hey, guys, as you hang out with us tonight, this is Monday Night Quarterback on Bama Insider. BamaInsider.com is your Alabama rival site. That's where we keep you updated on all the world of Alabama including recruiting, football, basketball, all the other sports. Tony Sukalis is with us tonight. He's the beat writer, Trey Yannity, and I'm Mick Gillespie. All right, let's talk about the guys that are going to be on the team this year. And I found this really challenging because I didn't feel like the list of players who will be possibly leaving the team uh, are, are, the, are a list – like we had last year. Like you knew Najee was going to leave. You knew that Smitty was going to leave. You knew that Waddle was going to leave, right? You figured that anyway. I mean, Mac Jones was a surprise. You knew that Sertain was going to leave. Give me your four. Like we're fast forwarding to where we are next year at this time. 
And who's up next? Who's the four guys on the 2021 squad that are going to be drafted? Possibly, who knows, maybe in the first round, but the first four guys off the board from Alabama. Yeah, so um, Evan Neal is a guy that comes to mind for me. Um, I think I think you, you definitely put him in there. Um, I mean, look, what kind of year is, is, is John Mechie going to have? Because could, could he be one of those guys? You know, he's going to be the lead receiver and he'll be a junior next year. So, um, or at least a three-year player. I don't know what they're calling these guys now, if they're going to change their uh, classifications or whatever. But he'll be a third-year player. So he's another guy that I, I could see, you know, possibly having that decision depending on how, the kind of season he has. Um, Christian Harris is another person that I could really see having that 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 decision, and and, and maybe a, maybe a Jordan Battle. That's another guy that uh, you know I, I could see maybe making that decision too. There's there's guys that have obviously left out. Uh, uh, Christopher Allen's another guy that you know probably should be on that list as well as a as a pass rusher. So the, there's definitely some some names to to consider. Yeah, I'm gonna say Chris Allen uh, is the one guy I want to probably look at the most I think he's gonna have a huge role on this team and he's gonna get so much opportunity on this team you know I, I think that helps a ton when you start talking about the NFL draft this and that it kind of makes me think of another guy too Josh Job. uh you know is gonna have a much more elevated role this year I could see he you know him being a guy that now has to cover wide receiver number one or elite receivers around the board and you know takes advantage of that situation takes advantage of the big time you know television moments uh and, and captivate some people I think Josh Job could break out Phil Mathis, too. I don't know if you mentioned him, Tony, uh, but yeah. this dude could be, you know, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the country. So we'll see. Uh, you know, there's a lot has to shake out. But that's what's so fun about this team, too. We know how talented they are, but we don't really know exactly what we're going to get yet. Well, look, I'll agree that I think Evan Neal's the, the most talented guy at his position that Alabama's bringing back. I mean, like if he was eligible, think about where he would go in the NFL draft right now, you know, and just talking to guys who know the offensive line. Um, he might have been the best offensive lineman that they had last year. I know he didn't win the Outland and I know he didn't win the Remington or whatever, you know, the other awards are for offensive linemen. But uh, this guy's got as much talent. He's as good as anybody on there. And and I think that when you look at Alabama's team with all these young players that are coming in um, and, and all this talent that they're going to have at the offensive line spot, but young talent, it's really good to have Neil back with some of the guys that were role players last year to build that offensive line around. It, it's not as easy to me. It's not a standout to me as far as the talent that Alabama has uh, you know, in the NFL draft as it was this year. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be successful. It just means that there's a lot of young players. You know, you're, you're talking about a team that has the skill position spots on offense are all going to be underclassmen. So, you know, and we've grown used to seeing this Alabama team with, um, you know, with, with all these stars on offense. Uh, but the defense is really where, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the season, especially that Alabama is going to win or lose football games. And I'm expecting that the defense is going to be as good as any in the country. Uh, you know, as we take a picture there of uh, Bryce Young. Great to have all of you with us tonight. Make sure you give us the thumbs up, subscribe to our channel. Talking to you live Monday night quarterback here on Bama Insider. And we got a week of activity tomorrow night at six o'clock. Andrew Bone. And Kyle Henderson will be on. Bone will give you his update on recruiting. Best in the country at that. 
tell you what's going on. There's a lot of guys that are starting to sign early now and, you know, and, and start to make those commitments. There's a huge quarterback that's going to make his commitment, Ty Simpson, that's coming up here shortly. So it'll be interesting to see where Alabama lands. Uh, I actually, uh, I don't say I met Ty Simpson, but I saw him at the Alabama-Tennessee football game. He was at the same tailgate as me. So I was uh, very close to this guy, big, big, big-time quarterback. And um, it's between Alabama and Clemson. All right, guys, let's talk more about Alabama football and and our kind of our, you know, being GM's conversation here. Biggest piece to replace on the football team going into the season. Tony. Biggest place to piece to replace. I mean, look, it's a tough one. I still think with, you know, the, the when you look at you know even though Devonte Smith won the Heisman, you got to look at Mac Jones and you know obviously he he orchestrated that offense and and I I make that's the hardest spot for me to replace in my eyes it's a lot of uh Bryce Young has some huge shoes to fill obviously we we know what kind of talent Bryce is uh, and we expect him to be you know a really elite quarterback at Alabama but I, I think when you're looking at it you know, the, the number one thing that Alabama has to do is get that quarterback position settled again, you know? So um, if they're able to do that, I think this offense can be just as good or, or, you know, in the same realm as it was the last two years, it's just a matter of getting that offense the the way it has to be. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, replacing Mac Jones. I, I think that, you know, you could easily go a, a bunch of ways, but that's the way I'm going. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's hard to replace a quarterback with a lot of experience in the SEC and winning too. Yeah, it, it certainly is, and that you know that was kind of the idea there, Tony, originally for me as well. You know, I'm thinking probably Mac Jones. That's that's a really hard guy to replace. But honestly, you know, I, I thought about it a little bit more. I think in a lot of cases, finding you know a quarterback to to match a certain talent level is really hard to do. But finding uh, you know, I guess on this team, at least finding a position group that is going to be completely different is probably going to be the hardest uh, you know, part of this whole thing for Alabama to address. I, I couldn't decide between the wide receivers and the running backs for a long time, but I ended up with the running backs because if you think about it, you know, this group, uh, you know, solely won off their offense this season. Coming into 2021, this defense is going to be the pulse of the team, you know, perhaps probably looking like it's going to be the pulse of this team. And the offense may, you know, not need to do what they did this past season. That being said, they're going to try to kill you in the air. They're going to try to kill you on the ground. But I think clock management is going to come much more into play. That's just how it is when you have a team that plays really good defense. You're going to be thinking about it a little bit more. And a big part of clock management is your running back room. This team has excellent running backs coming back. But there is no understating, overstating how important Najee Harris was to this team and how important he you know, could be to this team coming up if he would have stuck around because he is elite in so many different areas and he's elite in, in the way that he manages his game as well. And the way that Alabama uses him in games was, uh, you know, perfect for this, for this formula, this system. I'm not saying, you know, Brian Robinson's going to come in here and not be able to, to live up to what he's supposed to do, or Jace McClellan isn't going to be enough. If Trey Sanders comes back. If he's not going to be enough. I think all these guys are, are super talented, but Najee Harris is a huge loss. And with the way this team's going to work in 2021, you know, running back is going to be a super important position. So that's that's what I'm picking. What do you have, Mick? Yeah, look, I, I saw this comment here from Christopher, and he's like, um, he said, 
Alabama is running back you. I agree with that. Like they're going to just next man up on the running back spot. And I'm going to miss Najee. He was awesome. But, uh, but, and it's probably not going to be Brian Robinson, but it, it could be Chase. It could be, um, you know, Kamar Wheaton. It could be somebody else, you know, the other Robinson. There's talent in that backfield. And, and that's an easy position to kind of overcome. I think the toughest one, I mean, it, it's really between me, quarterback with Mac Jones and, and receiver with Devontae. And, and the reason I'm going to say Devontae is just if, if you're Bryce Young and you take over this team or you're Paul Tyson and you take over this team and you got Smitty, all, all you got to do is throw the football to Smitty. I mean, and in college, I, I don't know why, but um, it, no one seems to really be able to lock down a, a receiver. I mean, you know, like you'll watch a guy play and it just seems like the, the next week, same guy, 150 yards, 200 yards, you know, when you get a star receiver like that. And that goes back to even Alabama teams, um, you know, like whoever stopped Julio Jones, you know, or whoever stopped, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley or, you know, Amari Cooper. And, and to think that, then a Smitty blew their numbers out. It's crazy. You know, so somebody else is going to have to jump into that spot and, you know, who knows, maybe it's Baker. Um, maybe it's one of these freshmen that, that just came in, um, you know, could be Menchie. Sometimes his, his hands aren't as great as the guys that we had before. There's been drops there. Slade Bolden drops the ball. Somebody makes some catches too. You know, we've been spoiled because we have the potential of four first round receivers, right. That were on the same team. And then two of them last year, but then when it kind of whittled down the Smitty, he was the difference maker, right? So without having, you know, Devonte Smith, I think that's really going to be the toughest spot to overcome for Alabama. But, you know, there's guys that have experience in that position, just not a lot of experience and not the kind of experience where, where right now they've been called on to be difference makers, you know. So I'm interested, but it always seems like Alabama, you know, goes through one of these spells where they lose a lot of guys and then you watch the first couple games and you're like, okay, yeah, this is how they're going to do it. And it might not look exactly the same, but the the scoreboard looks the same, you know, where Alabama has more points than the other team. So I'm expecting that <laughs> to be the situation for the Crimson Tide. The, the problem is the schedule's tough, in my opinion. You know, playing Miami right out of the shoot, having to go to Florida, having to go to Texas A&M, and those are all early games in the season. And those are all teams – on the road that could give Alabama's young offense. Um, and, and I'm figuring by then, you know, we're back to having, you know, a hundred percent of people in the stands, right? At least I hope so. Um, you know, it becomes a really tough environment, which we didn't see this season. Hey, as you guys watch tonight, give us a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel. We appreciate you guys being here for Monday Night Quarterback on Bama Insider and BamaInsider.com. Whether you're watching right now on YouTube or maybe you're listening to Apple or Spotify and our podcasts, we put all of our shows up there after they uh, finish airing. So if you're driving somewhere and and, and you want to catch the, 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 the replay or maybe you're just bored, just put them on and listen to them. We appreciate all you guys for being a part of our show. All right. We talked about this a little bit earlier and now we're going to get into it with more depth. Alabama basketball is having one of the best sec seasons in school history. You know, you take away the non-conference schedule, which, you know, crazy enough has been pretty mediocre, you know, but you put that sec schedule out and these guys have just been amazing. They lost one game. They fell way behind. They almost won that one. And they're on the verge 
in a conference that really doesn't have a second contender of wrapping up the SEC possibly this week. And, Tony, you mentioned it before. Uh, Coach Antoine Petway was on the team at the time playing the last time the Crimson Tide won. I want to say it was like Erwin Dudley was the star of the team. And uh, and Alabama, you know, beat uh, beat Florida to 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 clinch it. Mark Godfrey was the head coach. It's been a long time since the Crimson Tide have raised a banner up and a SEC championship. But Tony, I just can't see a scenario where they don't win it. Oh uh, yeah, the regular season title. It's really hard. I I honestly would be shocked if they don't win it this week. You know, like I said before earlier in the show. They just got to beat Texas A&M and Vanderbilt, two teams in the bottom of the SEC. Look, at, at, currently that Texas A&M game is a quad three game. If they were to lose that, uh, it, it'd be a, it'd be a really bad loss. And then this Vanderbilt team's a mess as well. So, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, I know Alabama's beaten up and I know both those games are on the road and maybe anything can happen in the SEC, but – when I look at those two games, I think Alabama wins those and, and, and can wrap it up. And then you have a serious discussion of maybe, you know, do you rest a guy like like Herb Jones? I, I know you don't want to hurt your tournament resume. I think that at that point you can kind of maybe make some injury decisions or, or make some, you know, kind of a, evaluations at that at that point. You know, maybe at that point Herb Jones is feeling a ton better. And he doesn't have to sit. You know, it's Herb. It's bionic Herb Jones. So, uh, it may, you know, I never bet against him playing, but. Uh, I think when you when, when you look at this season, um, it, it's going to be special. And I, I think you really almost have to look past the regular season title because this team can do so much more than that. They've got a three and a half game lead over LSU and Arkansas. Bama's 12 and one. And those two teams are eight and four. Obviously, Alabama's beaten LSU twice and they, they have a matchup against Arkansas, I think, remaining. Right. But, um, you know, with four games left, I mean, it's, it's, it's coming quick. And this team, to me, you know, without that mega star, but they got a lot of players that can put the ball in the hoop. We saw they scored 115 points against Georgia last time. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, and look at Herb Jones. Like I said, a, a, a guy that's been banged up has a career high 21 points against Georgia. Um, this team, you know, I think they needed a big offensive performance like that because they had been kind of struggling a bit. It's a team that when everything's clicking, it is so hard to stop. You know, maybe they don't have that superstar like like you say, but they have a whole bunch of guys that are all hard to stop. And that at times when it is working is harder than having, you know, obviously just that one go to guy. Because, you know, when Alabama's clicking, there's, you know, it just seems like everyone's hot and and there's really no way to defend against that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, someone said to me, they were like, well, look, you know, Virginia won the national championship and, you know, they didn't have a star player. And I said, yeah, and they also lost to a 16 the the year before, you know, and that's kind of where I feel like this Alabama team could go, you know, like we're excited because right now, Trey, these guys could be a number two seed possibly, right? Maybe, I mean, I don't know with, with five losses and four of those coming out of conference, they could get to a number one seed, even if they ran the tournament. But at the same time, a number two seed would be amazing. I mean, you got to go back to, I'm guessing, um, gosh, I would say Sonny. um, I mean, excuse me, Wimp Sanderson would have had to been the head coach the last time these guys were a two seed. That's just off the top of my head. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, and this is this is so impressive because it's even ahead of schedule. This team was supposed to be really good, but maybe not even quite yet. This team is, is such a cool combination of senior leadership and young talent that that's just so energized and ready to go. And the whole team is just playing with such a a, a team first mentality. They're all playing for each other, and you can see that on the court. You can see it just the difference from last season when these guys were still trying to buy into the NATO's formula, buy into the system. Everybody's bought in now, and like you said. They can beat anybody on any given night, but they can also, you know, in some nights get cold, not play as great of defense, get out man down low and, and really struggle in some of these games. This team, though, we talked about it on Friday with uh, Luke Ratliff, good friend of uh, Bama Insider. You know, once they get Jordan Bruner back, it's going to look a lot different. This team is going to be able to do things defensively. that They haven't been able to do in about a month now. They're going to be able to, you know, really get out in the perimeter a lot better like they were at the beginning of the season. They're not going to have to worry as much about, Guys penetrating the lane like they have been. You really saw it there. Um, I'm trying to think. I guess it was Kentucky where they were just struggling when guys with lane drop. South Carolina as well. That game was close because Alabama right now without Jordan Bruner and now without Jawan Gary at times have trouble defending the lane and you know the perimeter at the same time. They're leaving guys in the corner wide open. That's not going to happen when Jordan Bruner comes back. And with the way this offense is working, they're going to be able to hang around in most games. If they get cold, you know, if they struggle – to control the tempo, they can lose. We saw that against Missouri. They never had control of the pace in that game. They never really had a rhythm. They didn't win the game. Same thing at Oklahoma. But this team, at the end of the day, is just so bought in and so built off of energy. They really can get up for any game, whether it's Baylor, Gonzaga, Vanderbilt, you know, whoever's on the, uh, you know, on the other side of the court, they're going to show up. Will they be able to do that in tournament time when it really counts and, and run the table? We'll see. But this team is going to have a really good chance to be a top five seed. And I wouldn't rule it out yet. They can still get that one seed. Do you think Herb Jones has a chance to be the SEC player of the year? I think he's probably the the, the favorite to do so. I mean, look, that usually comes on the the, the, the conference's top team. And uh, he's the top player on the top team. And where would Alabama be without Herbert Jones? I mean, the guy is everything for Alabama. He's, you know, even when he's not, you know, maybe putting in the points, his contributions on the defensive side of the ball are, are everything. He's, he's the best defensive player, in my opinion, in college football. I think he's a guy that's going to be an instant impact guy in the NBA. He might not ever be a star. You know, he's going to have to develop the, the you know, more of an offensive consistency to, to be a star on the NBA level or, you know, but he's a guy that I think can carve out a role in an NBA franchise just with the defense, the hustle that he plays. I, I definitely see him contributing at the next level. Um, can't say enough great things about him. And he's a leader too, man. He's, he's, he's everything for this Alabama team. Um, he's the, the emblematic system or a symbol of, uh, of Nate Oates blue collar style of play. I mean, like when Nate Oates, you know, if he's building a basketball player, you'd have to, I think maybe you'd have better three-point shooting, but it'd have to it'd have to look a little bit like Herb Jones. And and I say the better three-point shooting because Herb Jones leads the team in with like a 52% three three-point average. I, I don't think he's necessarily having his best three-point shooter, but even that's improved this year for him. So he'd get my vote if that's if, if that's what it came down to. Um, you know, he'd get my vote for SEC Player of the Year for sure. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Tony. I mean, this kid does it all. And you heard him say it on Saturday uh, in an interview he did with with the SEC Network. He would rather win the SEC Defensive Player of the Year than even the SEC Player of the Year just because he's that blue-collared mentality. He's, he's always thinking about, you know, the hustle plays and being that guy. And, you know, 
you say better shooter. I'm with you there. But at the same time, Herb Jones only takes really high percentage shots, especially from beyond the arc. And you can even see it in the lane. There's just that look in his eyes that he has the advantage or he's probably not going to take the shot. At times, you know, I, I think you see this team get a little bit over aggressive and Herb definitely fuels that, you know, let's ride this this momentum we have and get up and down the court a little bit too fast. So I think this team needs to just slow it down a little bit. And Herb can be a part of that leadership uh, at times. But, you know, pedal to the metal. It's crazy to think that this dude had his career high on Saturday at 20 points, just 20 points. That's the most he's ever scored in a game. And we still call his name every single time they take the floor for one reason or another. He's going to be an awesome role player at the next level. Um, and I, I really do think he could win the SEC Player of the Year. And he's doing this at 80%. You know, today before the show, he came, went on the Paul Feinbaum show and, and said that he's not at 100%. He's at about 80%. So, I mean, he, to have a career-best performance like that at, at 80% and then to continuously play through these injuries and and really be Alabama's defensive leader, it just says a lot about his grit, too. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's got to be frustrating from his standpoint to – to play through some of these. And then what he told Paul Feinbaum was that he feels blessed. You know, he said that, look, a lot of kids, they, they want to be in a position where even if they're hurt, that they get to play for Alabama. So he hasn't, despite all the adversity he's faced this season, which he's had a lot of it. Um, he's really, you know, stayed grounded and, and, and really just counted his blessings for, for the position he's at and the ability to play on what is now the number eight team in the nation. I love it that they, you know, that they held men's basketball accountable you know like look if they don't make the tournament then we're going to make a coaching change and i've said it before i liked avery johnson a lot i thought he did a nice job you know i thought that he was um a nice guy and, and you know and the team was respectable but it wasn't good enough they didn't make the tournament i hope that that they look at the women's basketball team and start to hold them accountable. I mean, they haven't been to the tournament since 2000. I mean, think about how long that's been. And it's like, we've kind of accepted with the women's team that, you know, it's okay for Christy Curry and her team to kick the can down the road. And they have a chance to make the tournament this year. Um, Alabama hasn't won an SEC title in men's basketball since 2002. But can you imagine the outrage that we would have if the men's team hadn't been to the tournament since 2000? Yeah, I, I definitely, I've said that too. I think that there needs to be a little bit of pressure uh, on that program too, just to get the best out of it. I think you're exactly right. I, I think, you know, and, and look, Alabama is a, a school and, and a fan base that really embraces women's sports because you look at the way this community rallies behind the gymnastics team, behind the softball team. I mean, both of those programs, they're, they're winning and they get sold out, you know? Uh, that you know, before COVID, they, they're packing that state, the Coleman Coliseum for for gymnastics more so than they were for basketball. So it, it's not a case of uh, the fans don't care about the sport. I think this fan base would care a lot about women's basketball if it was you know to turn into a winner. I mean, obviously, people like to come out to see winners, and I, I think you could really grow if you're able to kind of put together a little bit of run, get some success. I think you'd really see women's basketball in Tuscaloosa um, take off because I think, you know, there's definitely a fan base for it. Yeah, I mean, look, the most successful basketball team at Alabama was women's basketball. Rick Moody took them to the Final Four one year. I mean, they had the, an amazing buzzer beater to beat Duke. And, uh, you know, since then, it's just been, you know, not a lot of success, you know. And um, – I agree with you. You said something that I didn't even think about. Is it is that Alabama supports women's sports? 
you know, and it's just to me, it's just it's there's an accountability that just hasn't been there, um, you know, in the last five years or whatever. And, and every year there's an excuse why they didn't win, why they didn't get there. You know, it's always something, you know, whether it was we were playing in the wrong gym or we're doing this or we're doing that. You know, at the end of the day, all that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is that you win championships and you get to the tournament, right, in basketball. I mean, how much fun is it when y- your team is in the tournament? And think about all of the people that show up to see gymnastics, which I broadcasted gymnastics before. They win championships. It, I was talking with someone the other day, and I said, one of the best sports I've ever done play-by-play on, the most fun, and I said, I really don't even know much about it, is gymnastics. It's just in Tuscaloosa, there's so many people there. It's just amazing. It's so much energy. They do a fantastic job. Uh, Alabama softball with Pat Moody, or excuse me, um, uh, I said Moody, uh, Patrick uh, Murphy and what his team's been able to do. You know, they're a national champion. Um, and we just have this enormous drop off right now. And the good thing is, as I look at the standings right now, and Alabama is, you know, uh, 13 and six, they're six and six in the conference in women's basketball. You know, they have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. So they're going to have to win some more games to get in, but there's a chance that they'll do that. And if they get in, it'll be the first time that they've gotten in since 2000. How old were you in 2000, Trey? I was uh, about one year old, depending on what time of the year, I guess. Uh, you know, but it, it has been uh, quite some time. But I, I got to say, guys, I, I think Christy Curry, um, I love the way that she coaches this team. She hasn't been able to get the players here necessarily. Yes, you know, there's been some recruiting struggles. But as a coach, uh, Christy Curry does an, an unbelievable job. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't know if Alabama's maybe right. I won't speculate anything, um, but but she really does coach this team well. I think if they make the tournament this year, you know, she's she's going to be safe. She's going to be fine. I think that at times, you know, she hasn't been able to recruit and the teams really haven't played well together. It's just not worked out. Maybe times in the past you look at and say, OK, they should have moved on. But with this current team, I think with these last couple teams, you look at them and you say last year's team was one game away from making the tournament and made a decent run in the SEC this year's team started out, you know, ranked 12 and one, whatever. They're playing really good basketball. They have the talent, uh, you know, maybe open this discussion after the season. But right now, I, I think you got to stick it out with Christy Curry. She does an excellent job. And I think she's going to have this team in the tournament this year when it's all said and done. Well, I mean, is excellent, like, you know, not going to the tournament in seven years as head coach. I mean, that's what I'm saying. My point is the <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, look, I get it. Like the, 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 the tough part about basketball is she may be one of the best X's and O coaches in the conference. Right. But you you still got to get the players to come and play for you. Right. And what I'm saying is just comparing it to what we've seen with Nate Oates and Alabama men's basketball is I would have been like you. I was saying, hey, Avery Johnson's doing a good job. I like the guy. He's, he's he's out there. He's bringing in some good recruits, way better than Alabama women's basketball. I mean, you're talking about lottery picks. Right. And and but, you know, there was a tournament and there wasn't a tournament. And they said, hey. If you're not in the tournament and you're not competing for championships, this is Alabama. We're got to find somebody else, and they bring in someone else. And I mean, I'm absolutely blown away by what Nate Oates has been able to do. And I guess that's just my point. You know, it's like every other program is in the top 25. I mean, did you see the press release the other day? It's like you know, uh, everywhere you look, it's like softball and baseball and da 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 da. You know, but women's basketball just it's it's 
that program where we always say, well, they're doing a great job. And then you look and, and the tournament comes and they're in the NIT, the WNIT. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with them and um, and the accountability. But I'm glad that they have kind of put that bar up for the men's basketball team, guys, because it's really exciting to go into the tournament instead of saying, hey, are we going to make the tournament going, hey, we might be a number two or maybe even a number one seed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there there is that excitement and there's there, you know, there should be that excitement, you know, eventually for for the women's team. You know, I'm like like you said, there, there's you should be pushing for that, I think. Uh, but it is, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's fun to have it for, for the, for the men's team. And, and, um, I think, I think you're seeing an Alabama team or an Alabama fan base that really supports basketball as well, Mick. I mean, when you look at it, uh, was it, you know, a week or so ago, you saw people buying posters, uh, buying billboards, um, you know, across the city and, and, and kind of like really urging this team on and criticizing it and holding it to a higher standard. So, uh, it's definitely been fun to see uh, this, this kind of resurgence in basketball. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, it's going to be fun to watch that game on Thursday at, what'd you say, 2 o'clock? Thursday at 2 on SEC Network, 2 Central Time. I, we do everything Central Time. So Is that is that too early for you to start drinking, Trey? No <laughs> uh, <laughs> comment on that one, but, uh, you know, we love some good matinee basketball. It's going to be a fun on Thursday. Just watching this team every time they go out, it's so fun to see how this team gets up and down the floor and the energy never leaves the building. They'll put up, you know, 100 shots a game and knock down 50 of them. This team is just unbelievably, uh, you know, they have so much momentum right now and they're so gifted too. It's been an unbelievable journey. You know, we'll see on the one seed, but any way you draw it, this team has, uh, is, you know, the formula for success. And I, I really do think they're going to make a run in this tournament. Uh, but time will tell. It starts with Texas A&M on Thursday. Yeah, no doubt. And Alabama closing in on an SEC championship. And uh, Tony and I both feel like it could happen this week. So it'd be awesome to see they get a little bit of help. They win that game. They win the SEC. Then you rest some guys. And then you start looking at the SEC tournament. And then you start looking at the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to fill out the bracket and actually put <laughs> Alabama in on the bracket. All right, guys, what do you got going on this week? We'll start with you, Tony. Yeah, well, you know, coverage of Alabama basketball. We're also going to break down um, on the football side of things. We're going to break down Alabama's coaching staff. The, it looks like the coaching carousel has finally stopped turning in Tuscaloosa. So we're going to do it. We're going to start a series starting tomorrow, breaking down, you know, the five new assistants that Alabama has added. Um, you know, that's half of a staff right there. But, uh, uh, you know, kind of looking at the new coaches and not only what they have to offer, but what they have to work with. Uh, for next season. So we'll start that off uh, tomorrow morning with Bill O'Brien and, you know, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, because he's, he's got a big job to fill, uh, you know, replacing Steve Sarkeesian. So um, it'll, it'll be an interesting series for sure. What about you, Trey? Yeah. You know, we got, we got a lot of coverage going on this week. Some more player spotlights coming out. Um, I'm working on one for Ali Cajo right now. And I think we have Maybe Brian Robinson. Uh, I guess we had Brian Robinson come out last week. We got John Mechie coming soon. We got a lot of cool players coming up. So check that stuff out, guys. Uh, you know, Daily Bama Factor continuing this week. Not not quite sure who we're going to have on yet this Friday. Had a lot of fun with Luke this past Friday. And, um, you know, all kinds of other coverage as well. Go read Tony's articles. This dude's always working so hard on the writing side, on the uh, online side. So go check that stuff out, guys, and, and all kinds of stuff on YouTube. 
I loved listening to your uh, or watching your your show. I actually, listen to the podcast, but listening to uh, Fluffopotamus talk about like his venture of being in charge of Crimson Chaos, you know, and what, kind of what it meant to his life. I, he's at every single game too. He really, I mean, he's going everywhere, guy, and he's driving too. We talked after the show. He's not getting any free flights or anything like that to these places. He's he's driving to Texas and Missouri and Oklahoma, everywhere else. It's going to be challenging for him this week. Snow and ice. So if uh, you're traveling with Fluffopotamus, make sure that you're careful out on those roads. Maybe this would be the one you you stay at home for. But <laughs> Alabama will play on Thursday night. Hey, or excuse me, at Thursday at 2 o'clock from Texas A&M. Anyway, thanks, guys, for watching. Again, uh, thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel. We appreciate you having uh, the, the time with us tonight. And we hope that you'll join us again for more Bama Insider uh, shows. Uh, this is Monday Night Quarterback. Tomorrow, uh, it'll be Andrew Bone, our recruiting expert, and Kyle Henderson. They'll take the torch. I'll be back on Wednesday night to take your calls. Be a little bit of time for you guys to sound off. Uh, agree or disagree with anything we talked about tonight. Put it in the memory bank and call in and let's debate it. And uh, you got Bone on Thursday. I'm always excited to see who bones going to bring on the show i mean he's definitely the most famous guy of this group and and has a catalog of people to interview and then of course uh, you you got trey and his show on friday guys thanks for watching again thumbs up and subscribe i'm mick gillespie for tony sue and trey anity roll tight everybody <laughs>